welcome to the Girl Tries Life podcast where we give you tangible, actionable tips to live your best life. Guys, we're on episode number 72 and our guest today is Jen Rawson. Now, I first heard about Jen on Instagram and she goes by the name Pretty Little Grub on both her blog and her Instagram. She was She's friends with someone that I follow on Instagram already uh, and I, I saw that she was, you know, th- this person had mentioned she was off on this year-long round-the-world trip and I thought, hey, that sounds right up my alley. For those that have listened for a long time, you know, me and my husband took about three months to backpack Southeast Asia, so I, I love a good extended travel. I love following travel blogs and so I followed her on Instagram and sort of followed the the blog as she went around the world. So when she came back in town, I absolutely wanted to hear about her epic travel adventures. Now, the other thing that I found really interesting about Jen is she is a big fan of intuitive eating. Now, this is something I've been learning about for, it's been on my periphery for about the past year. And I've actually, I will caveat this to start off with. When we recorded the interview, this is probably about three months ago we recorded the interview from when it's actually going up. I'm recording this intro literally the day before you're hearing it, but I didn't, I hadn't dived deep into intuitive eating from a practical standpoint yet. I was still pregnant, um, heavily pregnant, not feeling great, all that kind of stuff. And since having my baby girl, I've really dived into intuitive eating because So, okay, for those of you that don't know what intuitive eating, it's basically listening to your body and eating when you're hungry, eating what you want to eat and not ever counting calories again or being on some sort of crazy diet. It's actually, if you think of how a child eats, of how babies eat, they eat when they're hungry, they stop when they're not. It's that kind of eating. I've been learning more about it and I'm really excited to say that I am training as an intuitive eating facilitator to add to my health and life coaching. Now, Jen actually is a a dietitian who, a registered dietitian who talks about intuitive eating. So we talk all about that in the interview. I maybe sound a little skeptical during the interview itself just because I was so nervous about trying some of the principles. But now that I have, I'm totally 100% on board. Now, I will say if uh, you're interested in learning more about intuitive eating and maybe even working with Jen, you can find her over at Ignite Nutrition. I've got all the links for that in today's show notes, which are at girltrieslife.com forward slash podcast forward slash 72 for episode number 72. Now, we talk about her perspective on health. We talk about how she how she approached health on a year-long adventure, right? Because you go to different countries and you want to try the different food, you want to try the booze, or you want to try whatever. How do you how do you keep up a healthy lifestyle when you're when you're constantly vacationing basically? So we talk all about that and uh, you know, the books that she absolutely adores, all that kind of good stuff. It it was a fun episode. I really enjoyed meeting her in person. You will hear the cat Skype in in the interview. He was definitely attacking Jen in a loving, loving way. He just wanted to be pet, but uh, she she survived. We also talk about body positivity, those who influence her, and yes, we actually get into the nitty gritty of how much her and her hubby spent on their year of travel. So I really enjoyed this recording this episode, and I look forward to hearing what you think. Now, this the Girl Tries Life podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Alberta Podcast Network is made up of podcasts from all over the province covering all sorts of topics. And if you go to albertapodcastnetwork.com, we've actually, uh, our our leader in charge, Karen, has actually really done a great job of 
putting them into categories so that you really get a, a sense of if you are looking for entertainment, look here. If you're looking for self-development here, this, that, and the other. And given that we talk so much about food in this episode, I wanted to introduce you to a new member of the Alberta Podcast Network, Mess Hall. So they actually talk to comedians about food. And, you know, is there anything better than having a good laugh while talking about delicious food? I don't think so. Now, we are also powered by ATB, and it's, you know, the end of July. Pride is coming to Calgary shortly. So I just want to let you know, ATB is a longtime partner of Camp Firefly and and Firefly in Schools, which supports sexual and gender minority in youth. They support all Albertans, whether it's rain, shine, or rainbows, and they have absolutely got you covered. So I'm so excited to, to see ATB in the Pride Parade this year. I'm going to my very first Pride Parade. I'm super pumped about it. Now, the last thing I will say before we head into the interview, if you have been enjoying the Girl Tries Life podcast, please, please, please head on over to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you're listening to this and leave a review. It makes such a difference in terms of me understanding what you're enjoying about the podcast. Let, leave me a note. Let me know what kind of content you enjoy listening to, what your favorite episodes have been, what you want to see more of. It will really give me a sense of where you want this podcast to go. I've got some phenomenal interviews coming up, but I would absolutely love to hear from you guys as well if you've got suggestions of who you would like to be on the podcast. So you can find me at Twitter, at Facebook, or on Instagram at Girl Tries Life. So just send me a message and say, hey, I'd love to hear this badass lady on your podcast and let me know and I will do my best. Okay, without further ado, let's head over the interview. Well, thank you so much, Jen, for joining me on the podcast. Yeah, of course. I'm excited to be here. So I first discovered you on Instagram. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Does that happen a lot for you? Yeah, definitely. I've been a little surprised when people are like, oh, I recognize you. I'm like, oh, that's weird. Like, yeah. So your Instagram name and your blog name, Pretty Little Grub. Mm-hmm. Where, so where's Pretty Little Grub from? Where, how did the inspiration for that name come about? Yeah, Little Grub is my nickname from childhood. So okay. my dad has always called me Little Grub, even to this day. He calls me Little Grub or Grub. Like yeah. I basically never hear my name from him. So that. So when I was first starting my blog, I was like, okay, nutrition and kind of like writing out, you know, like other words for nutrition or food or something. Yeah. And then I wrote down the word Grub and I was like, oh my gosh, that's it. So it has to be nice. Little Grub. And then when I first started, I was also kind of doing makeup stuff on the side okay so my blog was kind of also going to be about beauty so I put the pretty part in front of it just yeah. to kind of tie that together although now I don't talk about beauty stuff really at all yeah. so that's kind of went, went by the wayside yeah I think I discovered you via Angela who was doing cowgirl cowgirl runs, runs. Mm-hmm. yeah I don't remember her last name but yeah and uh, she said you were going off on this year-long adventure my husband and I did a three-month yeah. adventure I'm like I li- I'm all about the long-term travel adventures so like what inspired you and your husband to go away for a year? Like, that's a massive Yeah, endeavor. yeah, big, big thing to do for sure. I think, it, like, it happened over a long period of time. So, like, back when I was in university, I took this, like, trip to Italy and Greece, and for, it was, like, six weeks. And I came home, and I was just, like, in love with traveling. And I was like, I, we need to, I just want to sell everything and, you know, live like this. And, like, it totally scared my husband because he had <laughs> just started his career. And he was like, um, no. Like, at the time, we weren't even engaged or anything. And yeah. so, we're, so we're just dating. And he's thinking, like, I thought we were building a life together and starting yeah. our career. So I kind of scared him. But so I was like, okay, I guess that's, you know, that's a pipe dream. Ha ha. So he just 
just kind of yeah. let it go. Um, but over the years, we like we love traveling, so we've always yeah. kind of taken a big trip every year, and then usually we travel like doing a lot of other things, races and things. And then we began watching the show. Actually, kind of I guess for a second time, but the show Departures. I love it. Yes, so it's like yeah. that Canadian TV show about like two guys that quit their jobs and go traveling yeah. for a year. So I think as we Slightly watched sponsored that, by their yeah, life. a little bit easier for them than what we did, but yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think as we watched that, like my husband, like finally that idea sparked in his mind. And then, so it happened, I think he's the engineer, so he's like the budget man. So without me knowing, he was really thinking about like, could we make this work and kind of looking at budgeting and stuff. And then on our anniversary, he gave me kind of like this leather bound journal with like a world map on. And I was like, oh, this is, you know, I just thought it was a beautiful gift. And then he told me like, well, the gift is that I think we should go and do this year trick. And I was like, yes, like I didn't hesitate at all. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. So you just had to bide your time and yes, it just took let a while. Him think and it, it was, was his idea. <laughs> and actually, you know, in retrospect, like that's it was so much for the better because then we had more money. And like when I see people doing it on a shoestring budget, I'm like, oh, I'm happier. We could do yeah. that time where we had a little bit more money to do it. Yeah, because I was reading your blog post about it. So you said fifty-seven thousand mm-hmm. dollars, which a lot of people think is a lot of money, but if you break it down mm-hmm. per day, like three hundred and sixty-five days. Yeah, like, it's not crazy, and yeah. it's re- really less than we would have spent doing a year living our lives in Canada yeah right so we spent less than we would living here so it's not unreasonable yeah by any stretch and it could be done cheaper like I said we were doing on what we call kind of a flash packer budget you know so you could be doing it cheaper but we were happy with the way we did it well it seems important like the countries that you choose right definitely for your budget (laughs) yes yeah Yeah. we kind of mixed it like we did a lot of Southeast Asia because it's very cheap and even South America and Central America is cheaper but we did mix in some expensive countries like yeah. Japan was super expensive it cost us more to do two weeks in Japan than three months in Southeast Asia Holy, so yeah. that was and even Australia is an expensive country but we made it quite inexpensive by we bought ourselves a car we camped yeah. we lived in our car we made our own food so yeah. we made it a lot more manageable yeah that's awesome. Yeah. It's funny when I, when we came back from our trip, like three months, people were just like, oh, I wish I could do that. And I'm like, but you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like people just seem to think there's this huge barrier and like we get stuck in our two week vacation windows and I'm like, there's so many more things you can discover if you take a little bit more time like did people mm-hmm. did your friends think you were crazy some you know it was a mix like yeah. some people were like wow good for awesome. you and other people were just like I could never do that or like think like that's just so much to give up and yeah. so much and I mean it doesn't have to be a year like you said there's yeah. a lot of people do even three months because maybe with that you could get like a time off work yeah. instead of having to quit your jobs like we did which is a little more reasonable so I think that's an option but yeah I think it's less of a barrier than people think I mean it just takes it does take courage like to drop things and to make that big leap but it you know it's so worth it did you have like homesick moments oh definitely yeah, yeah. I mean I've never been away that long yeah. so especially my first I guess the three months we were lucky though because we knew we were coming home twice we came home oh, twice yeah, yeah. during our for weddings so once for our friend's wedding once for my brother's wedding and it was kind of at the three-month mark and then the six-month mark so I think that really helped but you know what leading up to that first time we came home I was starting to get very homesick and at that point like am I gonna be able to keep doing this you know but yeah. once I came home I was like oh everything's the same here. Okay. I'm ready to go again, you yeah. know? And then the second time I came home, it was nice, but I was definitely like, I didn't feel home after that point, really homesick at all again. Cause I just realized that like, you know, life goes on at home, but like your friends and family, they're still there for you. They're, you're still the same as you just pick up exactly where you left off. So it, you're not really missing out on much. Yeah. No, it's insane. I found the thing I kept missing. I just got to moments where I'm like, I just want my own washing machine. Yes. Like yeah. to know exactly <laughs> how it works and not have to figure out the different settings. And like, yes. I just want 
like it felt yeah, like the weirdest it's always thing to the miss. littlest things that like yeah. make the or like I just want to be able to like brush my teeth from the tap, you know, something as simple as that, or yeah. like just not have to buy bottled water, or you know, like little things are the things that you miss the most from home. Or like for me, was like bottomless coffee because that's just not a thing outside of North America. So I'm like, I just want to go for breakfast and I want to have a couple cups of coffee, not just one teeny tiny cup, and be like, please, can I have a more? Oh, I was so jealous of your post in Colombia of like the Colombian coffee. I was like, mm, yeah, that was yeah. amazing. Uh, where, okay, so where was the best coffee on the whole trip um probably actually i'd say australia oh, they okay. have a really cool coffee culture in australia nice. um just it's so important to them like actually surprisingly like starbucks has basically failed in australia there's i think only like 20 in all of australia <laughs> I, I know starbucks but coffee. because starbucks came into australia but they already have like they just have a cult a culture around like really boutique places yeah. and so they were like no we don't like mass produce so people just boycotted it and they yeah. all, they came in and opened a whole bunch of stores and they all shut down which is like amazing when you see it here like I think like I said there's like 20 in all of Australia and here there's like thousands you know so it's quite crazy so I mean everywhere you go has a, like it's all espresso based coffee in Australia so I mean even you go to the local like gas station they're making you espresso at, at the gas station everywhere cool. so that was just really cool that in like Vietnam I love Vietnamese <sighs> coffee too it was so good. Oh, the condensed milk, though. Yes. Yeah, I drank a lot of that. <laughs> we bought one of the little makers to, like, do it Us back too. at home. Yeah, we, but it's not the it's same. It's not the same. We, like, have not had the same results. No, and I I'm can't like, make it taste as good. No. I'm like, oh, this wow. is disappointing. I know. And I always want to get it when we go out for Vietnamese, mm -hmm. but it's nighttime, and I'm like, I will be up until, like, 3 a.m. Right. Yeah, because it's super strong, too. <laughs> These are, like, first world problems. Yes, definitely. <laughs> so how did you budget for... $57,000. Right. Like a lot of people, I'll definitely link to your blog post mm -hmm. where you talk about that. But like, what were the big things you either had to say no to or plan for? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, we saved up for like, it was two years from the moment we decided to kind of go for it until we actually left. So we had two years of fully saving. And then, yeah, like we always looked at it. We knew our travel budget was kind of like that $90 mm -hmm. a day per person or so. And so every time we want to make a purchase, it would be like, oh, you want to buy a new pair of jeans? It'd be like, is that worth a travel day? Like I kind of put everything yeah. into that perspective all the time when I would want to buy something. Like, is this worth a travel day? Or, you know, would I rather have like this cup of coffee here? Or would I rather use this as a day of a scooter rental in Vietnam? You know, like yeah. I just, when you, especially once we knew we were doing it, it just always just kept that in the back of our mind. Yeah. And then we did a a lot of like little things you know like we got rid of our cable and we you know we stopped we had just we had to cut down on any vacations we were our normal vacations we got rid of those or saying no to going out for drinks with friends sometimes or saying like why don't you come over here for a drink instead of us like yeah. going out to a bar or going out for you know going out for dinner or something like that so we just made little like it was just a, a yeah. bunch of those little sacrifices and then we sold a lot of stuff too like instead of just get you know stuff going in the garbage it's like well this is still good stuff why can't we start selling a bunch of our stuff on yeah. Kijiji it's amazing how much you can make from that yeah so it doesn't sound like you were deprived no definitely yeah. I felt like we still lived our lives like very much like we were before we just had to make small little adjustments yeah. and yeah I mean, I mean we're yeah. fortunate too that we were both you know like both working pretty good jobs we don't have kids you know so I, I recognize that when some people are like oh good for them they can do it I recognize that not everyone can make some of the sacrifices yeah. or don't have the same income that we did but like I say I still think you could make you know even if you had to make it a shorter trip you couldn't yeah. save up that kind of money you could save up for a smaller trip but I think like it's also just about the planning there's this other couple I'm following mm -hmm. on Instagram right now and they're traveling with their kids right Oh, yeah, and that could be there too, it for, for, a sure. Year. Uh, for sure. I think they both work for the city, so they can do that whole, like, defer a fifth of your income. Like, mm -hmm. you can work four years and then oh, get the right. fifth off. Yes. And so that's great. But I was, like, saying to my husband, like, we both kind of want to do 
another three month adventure mm-hmm. with kids when they're older. Yes. <laughs> and like mobile and we'll remember it. Yep. But I was like, well, we've got to start a got to save, save a little bit of money now and start yes. putting it away. Yeah. To have the kind of experience you want to have, it depends on. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I just think too, like your lifestyle, like that was a mm-hmm. thing that, and we've always been people who value experiences over things. And I think that's, I, I, and as we were saving, that was something I really recognized was like how we spend our money differently than maybe some other people do. Yeah. You know, like even when we bought our house, you know, we could have afforded a much bigger house, but we didn't because I didn't want to live a house poor lifestyle yeah. or, you know, I didn't care about having a big house. I'd rather just have a, you know, yeah. a reasonable house that works for us and then having extra ex- discretionary income, you know? So it's just all about how you spend your money. A lot of people spend their money on just things that aren't necessary. Yeah. And, you know, just thinking like, do I need to get, you know, a manicure done every week? Like yeah. that's a huge expense. Or could I put that towards something different? Yeah. So, and I don't judge people if they choose to spend their money in that way. It's just when people are like, oh, I couldn't do it. Or we don't have the money. It's like, well, I just, people are often valuing things or putting their money in different ways. Yeah. And you just have to rethink the way you spend sometimes. You're on the exact same wavelength as me, so it's nice. Yeah, when we bought this house, we could, like, I couldn't believe it. This is just my little rant, but you mm-hmm. go to the bank, and they will authorize you for a much larger mortgage oh, than goodness. I think you should then you ever should be. be allowed. And that's why, like, you know, banking crises and things happen, because right? people are, as soon as you lose your job, like, I wouldn't want to be in a situation where if one of us lost our job, we lose our house. Yeah. Right? So that was really, that's always been important to us, that yeah. we recognize that we live a lifestyle that we could still afford, even if we were down to one income, or yeah. if something happened, you know? So that's really important to us. For sure. Yeah, no, I just never understood... Like you're saying, being in a position where it's so precarious, mm-hmm. like I'd rather, <laughs> I'd rather have a little more peace of mind in my life. Yep. But, um, so what were the, I'm not going to ask what your favorite countries were. Cause you talk about <laughs> yeah. that on the blog. What were some of like the standout moments or memories? Mm-hmm. One of my, my biggest, for sure, like best moment would have been like in Germany, I met my dad and my stepmom there and we kind of tr- were tracing my family heritage because my grand my uh, grandpa was born in Germany and on, on my great grandparents and in the town of Schweinfurt, like my one of my ancestors, he's like my great, great, great grandfather. He was a famous German poet and there's a statue of him in like the city square and everything. So we went and like traced that. So that was just an incredible experience, you know, yeah. and then we, um, we even, we went to the info booth and we're asking, you know, like, oh, is there like a museum or any information we could find about him? And when we told them who we were, it's like, we were treated like celebrities all of a sudden. They couldn't That's believe and cool. they were taking pictures of us. And there was actually a society dedicated to his name is Frederick Rukert and like there's a Frederick Rukert society who just studies his poetry and stuff and then one of the the main guys came and met us on like a Sunday showed us around the town like we got to see original manuscripts from him like it was just that was such a worthwhile experience so one of the things like if people were following you on Instagram they would have seen like you prior prioritize your health while Mm -hmm. traveling so first of all I want to kind of ask because you just wrote a post on this yesterday like what does Mm -hmm. health mean to you what is health What is being healthy in your mind? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for me, health is like, it's general or it encompasses a lot of things. Like it's about, you know, the food you eat, sure. But it, and you know, moving your body, great. But it's also about like your mental health and how you're taking care of yourself that way or your emotional health or your social activities. And, you know, it's, it's really more than just what you see somebody or like their, you know, disease status. There's a lot more to health. Sorry, my cat's currently attacking Jen. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I think health is just made up of a lot more pieces than we often kind of see of the puzzles. So I definitely think, you know, it's not just about diet and exercise at all yeah 
So how did you prioritize your health while traveling? What were your sort of guideposts? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I guess in a lot of ways I prioritize it. And at the same time, I I don't think about it, if that makes sense. Like, because I kind of live my life... I try and as I practice what I preach, which is like intuitive eating and movement. So, which means I'm just like listening to what my body wants and how it feels. So when it came to like exercise or something, well, I knew when we're traveling, like we just generally are moving a lot more already. You're sightseeing, you're walking a lot. So I didn't have to think about it that much. I mean, I did make it a goal of mine to run in every country I travel to just Mm because I love running and I thought that'd be a really cool thing to do. And, you know, me and my husband would exercise too or like, you know, get up sometimes, but sometimes you'd wake up and be like, no, I don't feel like doing it. Okay. No, we didn't worry. But it. So it wasn't like we had a pressure or we thought about how much we need to exercise in yeah. a week. It was like, oh, if I feel like doing it, great. And if not, we're probably being active anyway. So yeah. I'm not going to stress myself out about it too much. And then when it came to like eating and stuff, it was a balance. And actually, it was quite an interesting experience because I've never been in, like, you know, at home. I have the luxury of where really I can afford, you know, the food that I want. If I want something, I generally, mm-hmm. uh, I, budget's not a huge constraint for me. But traveling, it was. I've never, you know, been in a situation where I have to look at a, at a menu and pick the cheapest option instead yeah. of what I actually want to eat. So that was a little bit of a challenge at times. But we balanced that too by, you know, if after a while I'm like, I am sick of eating the same, you know, chicken and rice, chicken and rice. <laughs> it's like, no, let's splurge. I really am craving vegetables. So we'd yeah. go and find a good place for like a great salad or something. Or we did a lot of like going to markets and making our own lunches and stuff, just yeah. getting some vegetables or tuna or, you know, some, some fruit and stuff. So we just kind of found ways to f- kind of bring some of our regular routine yeah. and, and the way that we ate into our into our routine as well and there was a balance too of you know in some places we were cooking a lot for ourselves when we were in Europe or even in in Australia we cooked a lot for ourselves so there was kind of that balance between the eating out all the time and the getting a chance to cook for yourself well and it's like when it's a year right like it's Mm -hmm. not like you're going on a two-week vacation and you're kind of just like Mm -hmm. "Ah." yeah and and that was something like sometimes I had to check myself on that where like it's hard not to be in vacation mode all the time and like vacation mode like to me is like a lot of times you're like drinking a lot more alcohol like having a sunset beer and having a yeah. wine and I was like wait I wouldn't drink a beer every day at home you know yeah. like we'd have days where we're like when's the last time we had a dry day is what we would say <laughs> to each other like when's the last time we didn't drink a beer maybe today we should Today's prioritize that and <laughs> we should probably skip out on the beers today you know yeah. just because it sometimes you get wrapped up in that like you still feel like vacation but it's like no this is also regular life yeah. so that was important and and that came too with like health like even our sleeping patterns that was important to me was that we were still getting regular sleep and stuff yeah. so and not feeling like vacation mode like you have to be doing something every hour of the day that it's okay just to go to bed at 10 o'clock or to like sit in your room for the afternoon and just chill out sometimes yeah. because you can't always be going when you know it's your life and at that yeah. point it's not just a vacation well and it's that emotional mental health right? exactly like, like you just need some downtime or just some time to just be by yourself and not be like looking at things all the time did you ever want to murder each other (laughs) (laughs) a few times yeah yeah they're definitely we had you know we've never yelled at each other in public and until this (laughs) there was one day in Austria screaming at each other in the streets which was like oh we've never been that couple so now when I see people do it I'm like oh you never know their situation don't judge because you never know for the most part though like I'm really amazed that when we left we thought everyone was like well how are you guys going to manage that and we're like well, yeah. we'll probably take a lot of solo time and really do our own thing but mm. actually we didn't I mean occasionally if there was like he wants to do that I'm not interested or vice yeah. versa like yeah sure we didn't like stop each other from doing things but sometimes it was just 
more difficult to split up than anything because yeah. it's like oh well you know how are we going to meet up again because you don't always have you know now are the days without cell phone we now have cell yeah. phones all the time to, to text each other and figure yeah. it out so it was just like oh and plus we're both want to go see that so why wouldn't we just go yeah. see it together so yeah we but we managed it. I mean there's yeah. you know higher stress points but I think it made us like definitely stronger in the long run because we had yeah. to learn to communicate better that's the thing I saw it as like the biggest investment into our relationship mm-hmm. like we had been long distance for a long time before then right so it was kind of like we were trying to get back that time so that might be a little bit different but I still think like a lot of couples even if they live in the same house don't necessarily communicate well with each other yeah. you have to communicate mm-hmm. when you're traveling yeah yeah and it yeah. was surprising because we've been together for so long but still I learned so much about him on this trip because yeah. also like you, you kind of like well you don't have that like conversation like well what did you do today what did, well same thing as you you know so <laughs> yeah. that kind of stuff is out the window the, the normal yeah. talk so instead you have to either sit in silence or we had to like, start getting a lot deeper with each other which yeah. are things that sometimes like there's things we've never talked about so that yeah. was really interesting for us did you talk a lot about like what you want your future to be or like your careers or stuff. Oh, definitely. That was a big piece of this was, I mean, I knew for sure like that I wanted to big shift in my career when I came back. Like I, I, my job was good, but it just definitely wasn't where my passion was at. So I knew I wanted to shift my career. So I was working on that. And he was too, you know, he just wasn't quite sure. And um, there was a period of time Tom was considering going back to school. So there was a lot of that of, you know, it was kind of that soul searching at at points where, so there was a lot of talk about our future and where we was our careers, whether or not we're going to have kids, you know, like all of that kind of questions were coming up. Breathing room. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Just time to really talk about that. Think about it. Think about where you want your life to go. Yeah. Because it's hard having that conversation after a long day at work, <laughs> Yeah, right? exactly. Okay, so what do we plan for? Yeah. Yep. For sure. So you mentioned intuitive eating mm-hmm. before. For those that don't know what intuitive eating is, mm-hmm. what what is it? Right. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, the actual term intuitive eating comes from, like, two dietitians created the term. They wrote a book called Intuitive Eating in 1995. It's Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch. And it's basically a set of 10 principles that are, the idea is to get rid of the diets and the diet mentality and instead learn to like trust yourself and build a relationship with your body and, you know, eat based on what you, what you want, what nourishes you, what Mm -hmm. makes you feel good. And and instead of listening to all the external food rules that are out there and just, you know, so learning to kind of build that trust and relationship with yourself. So what if you completely don't trust yourself? (laughs) Like, I feel like a lot of people... And myself included, like, especially like hormones, having a baby, Mm -hmm. not having a baby and all that kind of stuff. Like you kind of think you read that first part of the book and Mm -hmm. you're like, wait, so I can have any, wait a second. Like, I'm just going to eat cookies. Mm Mm-hmm. How do you learn to trust yourself? Yeah. How do you not go like off the deep end? Off the deep end. (laughs) It's, I guess there's a couple of pieces to that. The first is that like we, the reason we don't trust ourselves (laughs) Or our cats. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. So one of the reasons that we often think we don't trust ourselves is because that's come from diet culture. So that's one of the things that we need to recognize is that, you know, we've told ourselves like, or, and it might've come from our past experience. Like we Mm -hmm. went, if I've allowed myself cookie, I didn't just eat one cookie. I ate the whole box of cookies. So you're like, obviously that means I can't trust myself from previous experience. I've learned I can't, I have to have rules around cookies. But the reason that we didn't, we we felt that way was because of the diet rules that were in place. So, you know, I say we're always kind of still like kids. So if you tell us we can't have something, like we really want it, right? (laughs) Like that's still part of adults and we're kind of rebels too. So if I have one cookie, then it's like, it feels like, oh, okay, well I already broke the rules. So I might as well have another and I might as well 
yeah. of another and then we just and find the ourselves being hit feels good. oh it feels good and so you want it and you also there's kind of this effect of like well I already broke the rule so I might as well have more and you also know okay but tomorrow I'm not allowed cookies again. So knowing that they're going to be taken away from you again makes you want to just eat as much as you can while you can. It's just like when you're about to start the diet on Monday and yeah. you have the last supper of everything that you're not going to eat again, right? <laughs> so you have this effect of like, I need to eat all the foods because it's never. I'm not allowed to have them starting tomorrow. So yeah. that's what we do to ourselves. But if we remove that restriction and all of a sudden cookies are allowed all the time, mm-hmm. we have unconditionally permission to eat cookies we're not going to want them as much. And I know that seems like, ah, sure, that's, but what I do with clients is work on that. Like, so we'll pick one thing of their, it may be, you know, one food they really like or that they feel out of control with Mm -hmm. and let them choose that food. And let's say it's cookies for for this example and say, okay, now you have unconditional permission to cookies. That means they have to be available to you all the time. Like they're at your house, they're at your work, they're everywhere. And every time you want one, you have to have, you go ahead and eat one and don't feel guilt about it and if you want another one you have another one if you have another one and you might feel yeah. at first kind of out of control like because you're can, because of that previous experience yeah. like oh my gosh I'm allowed to have these and you kind of think no just kidding she's going to tell me all yeah. of a sudden that they're out of that, that I'm not allowed to have them anymore but eventually then you're gonna be like oh I've actually seen those cookies sitting on the counter for like a week and I don't want them anymore yeah. like I am, I'm not thinking about them like I used to so that starts to take away that power and sometimes people need to do that with a couple of foods until they really start to start to trust that process yeah. um, but eventually you're like oh okay I don't necessarily want them or you wreck and that comes along with the pr- other principles like learning to like understand your hunger or your fullness or your satisfaction yeah. like do I actually like the cookie like how often do we eat you know somebody brings in cookies and you just see them at the desk and you eat one but if you recognize that you're allowed to cookie anytime and you take a bite you're like oh this cookie is not even good yeah. so I'm not that's not respecting myself and my body to eat this cookie. So I'm going to get rid of it. And if I want a cookie, I'm going to go find a good cookie that I actually want. And, you know, maybe you will later and maybe you won't. But that's kind of like it's So it's a whole process of learning to trust yourself again. But your body, you have to know that, like, those foods aren't going to be taken back again because otherwise it puts us back into that diet mentality. Well, and I find it so hard with, like, you know, alcohol you can live without. Mm -hmm. Smoking you can live without. You have to face food every day. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> like it's you there. Have to yeah, face you can't it, abstain so. from it. So yeah. you have to figure out your relationship and how to deal with it in, yeah. in, a, in a positive way. And like how that ties in with your emotional well-being at that point in that day or all of that kind of stuff. Like it's yeah. a really, yeah, it's a challenge. Mm-hmm. So what are your sort of clients' biggest takeaways? Like are they maybe not necessarily even going for weight loss, but just... Like, what's the biggest thing they end up saying to you? Like, thank you for... Right. I guess it's more like just thank you for, like, not making... Well, one, they Rick, they are so thankful that so many people come to them and they're like, I don't understand this. Like, I've just been dieting for so long and it's not mm-hmm. working and I'm just... I'm so tired of doing this, you know? Yeah. And when I finally... And I explain to them, okay, like, you know, there's another way and they're just like oh my gosh, I don't have to do that anymore. Like I don't yeah. have to feel bad about myself all the time or I don't have to think about my food every day. Like yeah. that's just so empowering to them and super comforting for them to know that they're not alone. Like people think that like, oh, I just thought like, why do I feel this way? And I'm like, you're not the only one. Everyone's feeling this way, yeah. you know, or like not even recognizing how long that they've been thinking about these things, you know, and it's just really important to them that yeah. they recognize they're not alone in these feelings that they've been having and yeah. they're just so happy to hear that. Well, and then how insane diet culture is like you do this great Instagram series on mm-hmm. like your on your stories of like a day in diet culture and it's like 
it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like we can't walk out the house without. Yeah. And that's one of the hardest things I think yeah. with people trying to heal their relationship or start yeah. intuitive eating. It's like, it's one thing if you're sitting with me and we're talking and you're like, yes, this makes so much sense. And I want to like tackle this and I'm no problem. Then you leave and then the you office. leave the office <laughs> and all of a sudden you're not in the safety or you have a conversation with your colleagues who, mm-hmm. you know, it's everywhere. Every person's yeah. talking about it and you see it everywhere. And then, so these messages are coming at you constantly yeah. that are everything against what you're thinking or hoping for yourself Mm -hmm. and that's a really hard thing to struggle with um so for me I always tell like it's about surrounding yourself with the right people I mean you can't change who who your family is so but maybe you could change their mind or at least just set up boundaries and be like you know what I don't want to talk about that and sometimes you have to just shut down conversations or you know with your friends same thing or of surrounding yourself on social media like putting positive influences into your social media so just that you're like oh there are other people out there talking about it or people who can help me instead of being surrounded by those who are talking about you know yeah. the new way to lose weight or something like body posy panda yes like, <laughs> do you know that has been a big takeaway for me of just like unfollowing mm-hmm. people that have been like and I like you're saying nobody people don't necessarily intend to put these messages mm-hmm. out there but you're like this is having a negative effect on how I'm feeling about myself exactly yeah I, I also want to see shapes and sizes that are not like the five percent yes right? exactly like, yeah so you want to yeah. and the more we see that and see people in different sizes and you're like oh hey that's you know if you're just all you're yeah. seeing is you know people who look the perfect you know what we can quote unquote perfect ideal yeah. body on your instagram because they have the most following and they're like yeah. then you feel bad about yourself because you're not looking like that but if you surround yourself with a bunch yeah. of people of different images and you know yeah. they're positive and you're like oh well if you know they could be excited about you know the way they look but maybe i can too I do like body posy pandas don't hate the shake. Yes. Oh, I love that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's wonderful. I don't quite have the dance moves though. Yes. So I'm like, (laughs) "Mm, like she's got something going on. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. I want to ask a really quick Instagram question Mm -hmm. actually. Cause so with, as someone with over like 7,000 followers, do you consider yourself an influencer? (laughs) Um, I mean, I guess I am. I mean, it's kind of an odd question yeah. or like an odd thing to think of. It's kind of like we said earlier when like when I have occasionally been recognized and I'm yeah. like, it's a we- I'm like, whoa, I guess people are looking at what I'm doing and that, yeah. So in, in a way, definitely, I hope I'm an influence, especially in your, now what I'm trying to promote or that I'm trying to show people that there's a way out of diet culture. I yeah. want to be an influencer, really. So, you know, in a positive way. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Do you do partnerships or sponsorships or anything like that? I don't see a lot of that. Right. Yeah. In the maybe. past. Yeah. It's been a bit mixed because I mean, my blog and everything I've done is changed. You know, I've went through quite a progression of things. Yeah. So in the past, I've done a lot of sport, um, a lot more like fitness related things. Yeah. Like I had a lot of partnerships with fitness brands. And then even when I was traveling, I did a couple travel stuff. So and right now, like nothing big um yeah. in but certainly it's something that I'm, I'm interested in and that yeah. I probably will do more of but it's all about finding the right brands and the people that that you know align with your values and yeah. you know when it comes to like food and stuff like like I said the diet culture and the messaging's out there and in so many places so how do you I don't yeah. want to pre promoting anything that's not aligned with what I'm trying to show yeah. so it's finding the right the right companies yeah interesting tell everyone what you're up to now. So you're like, you're back mm-hmm. in Calgary. Mm-hmm. You are working as a dietitian. How can people work with you? Yeah. So now I'm working with Ignite Nutrition and we are a both like it's online and it's based in Calgary, one-on-one like private counseling. It's a focus I've 
definitely focus on the food relationship intuitive eating piece. We also do a lot of gut health management. Um, so people with that's, you know, really primarily Andrea Hardy, who started the mm-hmm. company. She That was her primary focus when she began the company was because she has irritable bowel syndrome. And so she really wanted to help people and help. In- in that way. Mm-hmm. So we definitely focus on gut health. And the other area that's really one of my key interests right now is around women's health and hormones. Okay. So that's another area that I'm really trying to focus in on. Yeah. So what, if someone wants to work with you, what does that look like? Like a few sessions, a package, a, like mm-hmm. how long does it take to yeah, repair your relationship? For sure. And I mean, it depends on the person, of course, and, and, and how much work they're willing to put in. Yeah on their own time as well, right? So, I mean, I guess we'd like to say a minimum of like four sessions just Mm -hmm. because the first one we're just like trying to, the very basis. And there's so much to talk about. Like if someone could keep coming, that'd be great. But we also know that like cost is an issue. So we can't always, you know, people can't afford to be coming to see you forever. So, you know, that's why I try and give a lot of people of tools that they can work on on their own and try and, and dig through things on their own. So yeah, so you know, I can't really give a yeah. specific prescription of how many times it's going to take. It's really going to depend on the person. What's been sort of the most meaningful client experience for you? I don't know. I mean, it's a great question, I guess. Just in general, like just any person when they just like they see it, you know, I guess just any person that comes out of the diet mentality and just is like, oh, that just seeing that there's another side it's just like that I just find so rewarding I'm like oh my goodness they recognize it and they see it or somebody who's you know really I've had you know a woman who's you know in her 50s and you know it's just heartbreaking to me when she first come to me and you know she's in her 50s and she really struggles with her body and she said like she started her diet started dieting when she was eight years old so it's been her whole life of this Mm. and so for finally her to accept her body and she's like starting to get to a place of body acceptance and I just think that's so empowering that like finally you know like we don't want to go through our lives like being miserable and hating our body and thinking about that all the time so if I can help you know one person feel good about themselves then that that's just like so helpful I just love that okay so what can I do as a parent because I'm about to have a baby girl yeah and not that boys don't struggle with issues as Mm -hmm. well like I but you fear so much that like I wouldn't say I've got my relationship with food Mm -hmm. completely like in check yet, but I know that's not something I want to put on my kids. Of course. Yeah. So what, what do we do? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Help me help them. (laughs) Yes. And I think this is such an important because like, that's where it starts. Like, how do we change like society and culture? Well, it starts with the next generation for sure. Right. Like hopefully we can do better for them. So, I mean, I don't know. Are you familiar with Ellen Satter's work? No. So she is kind of like the big guru in terms of children. Um, okay. She's written tons of books on it. It's all about like the par- parental roles and the children's role in, in feeding okay. um, and really trying to decipher those roles and, and figure that out and de- helping kids develop a healthy relationship with their food and their body. So she is like definitely the guru. Like yeah. children is not my big area of expertise, yeah. but um, yeah, I definitely would refer to her. Um, but I think it's just more about being a positive role model for your, for yeah. your children. So if they see you, oh, I'm eating a different meal because I need to, you know, you're worried about your yeah. body, which they're going to pick that up. Or how do you, you know, talk about other people and other body shapes yeah. and other people? Because that is a huge thing. If they, if parents say something about other people because of their yeah. body size or shape, well, then they're going to recognize, oh, that's bad. You know, and kids yeah. think very black and white, very good, bad. So if, like, oh, that's bad. Therefore, I don't want to be that. Therefore, fat is bad. And, yeah. you know, that's, and that's where all this comes from. So yeah. it's just more about being that positive role model where you teach your kids like, okay, all foods are okay. All foods are yeah. accepted and like all body shapes and sizes are accepted so you know 
easier said than done, but just definitely that, you know, just being that positive role model for them. Yeah, surviving dinner time is a, mm-hmm. like, man, I feel like I've turned to bribery so many times. Right, yeah. But, like, not bribing with cake, people, but, yep. like, do you want the strawberry for dessert? Then eat your eggs, like, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So I kind of also wonder, like, what's the age where it makes an impact? Or, like, are I mean, they are little sponges, so. Mm-hmm. But I'm also, like, just eat your damn dinner like come on yes yeah yeah Yeah. well that's where well like Ellen Satter's work is all about she calls it like the division responsibility where the parents the role is to to decide like what's going to be served for supper and like how much is going to be put on the on the plate the kids role is to decide like whether or not they're going to eat it and how much they're going to eat and like being okay with that sometimes like you know what they're not going to eat it they're not going to eat it because like kids weren't going to starve themselves if they're hungry they're going to eat right so they will but then again it's also learning oh yes and it's learning (laughs) not letting them trick you into like oh I don't want this but then I want a snack later if they know they can get something that they would prefer as a snack later they're gonna play that game too so that's where that division of responsibility comes in yeah my son does this little head cock and goes banana and I'm like (laughs) nope like eat your damn dinner yeah pretty much so we'll move into the five questions that I ask all of my guests unless is there any last thing like if you could tell people one thing like you're passionate about if you're not, we can also skip mm-hmm. that. But like, is there anything you wish you got to talk more about, whether on Instagram or on your blog or anything? Right. I think one big area I'm like trying to work on the most is right around weight stigma. That's like the big area I'm really passionate about more, okay. and more now, which is just like, you know, we the way we judge people who are in larger bodies and how that's affecting them. And, you know, it goes from everything from how it's perceived in, you know, healthcare to doctor's appointments. And, and I just think, you know, that's where we have to change it because a lot of people are so afraid of gaining weight and why we think we need diets is because of how people in larger bodies are judged. So if you judge somebody in a larger body, then obviously you're going to not want to be that person because you perceive other people are judging you. Right. And it all comes from this, stigma around and 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 fear of gaining weight and I think that's something that we know we definitely need to be working on and you know we it's not okay anymore to judge people on you know on not or it was never okay but it's certainly more in the eye like it's more common now that we hear like it's not okay to judge people on their race or their gender or their sex or their um, anything like that but yet it's still okay to judge people on their body size and I don't think that's okay and that's a big area I'm trying to work on. Well, and I always say it's the one addiction that you can truly, truly see on the outside. Mm -hmm. And it's who I was talking to someone. I feel like it was on the podcast about this recently about, you know, whether it's drugs or alcohol or weight or whatnot. It's an addiction and addiction. Well, arguably an Mm -hmm. addiction, but like that usually stems from trauma. Yes. And whether that's like trauma of diet mentality and messages that we've gotten or whether it is literally you've gone through traumatic instances and that has been your coping mechanism. Like. Mm -hmm. We're not usually doing this to ourselves because we're happy about it. Exactly. Yeah, that's the thing is like, you know, there's so much judgment around, but you don't know that person's story. You know, there's so much that goes into, you know, why somebody is the way they are, why they look the way they look, you know, whatever it might be, what they eat. There's so much more behind what you just see on the outside. So that's why we need to stop that judgment because you don't know what's happening or what their story is. Yeah, I hear you. So what are the things or the projects, we may have already touched on Mm -hmm. them, that get you fired up in a really good way? Right. Um, I guess, yeah, like like I I was just kind of talking about that was the big one was the like the weight stigma is the big one I'm trying to work on. But just anything around like just trying to break down the diet culture. That's just the big thing that's firing me up right now is just making people see it, that it's around them and that they're being influenced by it. Yeah, I 
hundred percent. Yep. So what's one of the most inspiring books you've read in the past few years? Right. Yeah, I was thinking about this one a bit. Um, I guess there's two I thought of. One was Big Girl by Kelsey Miller. Okay. And she, so it's kind of a memoir about how her path through to becoming an intuitive eater and it was just really inspiring and because of this whole weight stigma and stuff because I've I've you know I have what we call like thin privilege I've never been uh, a larger person so I've never had to live in a society that judges me and like face that myself I see what happens but I haven't personally faced it so I just felt reading her memoir was really powerful to me just for me to like put myself in that person's shoes and just think like wow this is what somebody goes through on a daily basis what they're faced with and that was just really powerful to listen or to read that and the other one was Jen Sincero's You Are a Badass yeah yes I really like that book at the library yes I'm like 150 yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah I really liked that one it just taught me so much about like yeah just believing in yourself and a big one too around like believing I think she wrote a second one called like You're a Badass at Making Money which I haven't read yet but she does talk about the making money piece in her just the original book and it was just like wow I never thought about it this way and about the way you place your value on yourself and what it says about you so that was really interesting struggle with that so much like whether it's negotiating for our salaries or what we charge for our services or all of that like we seem to have a struggle where less men do yes exactly yeah Yeah. so reading that I was like oh yeah this is definitely an area I need to work on so it was really helpful that's great do you have a favorite quote or words that you live by Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I find it's kind of cheesy, but I like mm-hmm. it is um, the quote, like she believed she could. So she did. And yeah. that kind of came to me from like primarily from when I began like running. That yeah. was a quote that I heard at that time. And because I mean, now I've ran like four marathons. I'm hoping to maybe train for my fifth. Yeah. And that was something I never, ever, ever thought. Like I was not yeah. a runner. I was not athletic. I was like the kid who like got a note to like get out of running the one mile in yeah. like <laughs> junior high and stuff. Like yeah. running was not my thing. So I never thought that would be me. Yeah. And even like I ran multiple half marathons and still people would ask me like, oh, are you going to run a marathon? Like, no, never. I couldn't. I yeah. didn't think I was actually capable of doing something like that. So when I finally decided to do it, like that was kind of yeah. in my head. And I realized that like the power of that, if you believe you can't, you won't. But if you believe you can, you will. You know, like we're capable of more. We just have to believe in ourselves. And it's funny, um, like in my, in our health coaching program that Mm -hmm. I'm certified in, like that's the same thing. It's around your, your belief patterns. And if you truly don't believe you can do something, you are going to put obstacles in your way, whether Mm -hmm. consciously or subconsciously. So it's that, yeah, being able to switch that trigger, like. Yeah, there's that mindset. Yeah. So what's the best life lesson you've learned or advice that you've been given? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I learned a lot this year away. One of the things I learned was that there's so much value in slowness and quiet and stillness. And because I think right now, like society is so like busy, busy, busy. And we like think that that's like a good virtue to have to be so busy and be doing everything. And I mean, I'm totally guilty of like, I like, I'm a person who likes to do too much, but like, I never had such an experience where I had time, Mm -hmm. like what a luxury it was to have time just to think. And I was like, you don't get time to think in your daily life. Like we're so, we are busy, you know, you go to work and then you, you have to grocery shop and you have to make dinner and you have kids maybe and whatever. So like you don't have time just to sit, like we talked about, like think about your goals or your, where you want to go in your life or what you want to do and all these things. So like, I just think taking time to be like slowing down or just taking time to do nothing is actually, it's not a waste of your time. And I think that's what the lesson I learned that that's not a wasteful time. That's actually 
actually really valuable time. Yeah. And I would imagine on your travels, you would have had many moments of disconnection because of yes. shoddy Wi-Fi. Yes. Yeah. And that sometimes was really nice sometimes. Yes. Yeah. Just to be away from it all. That was a really nice break. Yeah. It's funny. I was just talking to, do you, have you heard of Kate Flanders? No. She's, um, she just wrote this book called The Year of Less and it was about her shopping ban for a oh, year. Okay. And, but she was also talking, yeah, about slow, she was doing all these slow living experiments and she was saying just being offline for periods of time or like cutting out like how and when she consumed social media and everything. Mm-hmm. She's just like, I am so much happier. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like we did one yeah. like purposely when we were in Bali, like we did like a, a kind of our own yoga retreat thing yeah. and we told ourselves the same thing. We were going to completely disconnect from social media. Yeah. And it wasn't until doing that, like I recognized how often you would turn to it, you know, like just, your thumb just the, as soon yep. as you're like, have a second that you're not being, so, and that's why we don't have time to stop and think because we yeah. distract ourselves constantly. So as soon as like, you know, we would get to our room, Tom and I would be on our phones, like instead of like talking to each other or doing yeah. anything else or reading or something yeah. more valuable, like the amount of time that you waste and it's not valuable yeah. time. So I was reading this book. Sorry, I keep getting off track. But yeah. I was reading this book called um, The Upside of Your Dark Side. Oh, interesting. <laughs> it sounds like a really depressing book but it really isn't uh and it talks about like being comfortable with discomfort mm-hmm. and like how important that actually is for you in terms of uh resiliency and and just like your overall perspective and like approach to life yeah and so like I remember doing a little experiment where like I went for a walk without headphones or anything right yep. and like because usually if I walk the reservoir or whatever podcast or music or an audiobook like it's two for one productive and fresh air and right. exercise yep. <laughs> but this was like nope I'm just walking yeah just let quiet. it go and it's quiet and you just have time to think to be yeah. with yourself and you're <laughs> at first super awkward mm-hmm. uh, and then you're kind of like oh I can hear the birds chirping and yeah. the water and the trees and all the things I can never hear because I have headphones <laughs> right <laughs> like yeah yeah I think I wonder if we're getting to a point like a tipping point where we've we're going to have too, like, too many distractions, too much, that we all just want to pull back a bit. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I hope yeah. so, because I think it's getting to the point of too much. <laughs> it's a bit, yeah. So final question, Jen, mm-hmm. is what does it mean to you to live your best life? All right. Uh, I think for me, it means like being present in my life. Mm-hmm. Like that's like, kind of talking about this distraction piece that we yeah. just were. Like that, I've learned that like... I just want to be present in my life and be there. So if I'm with somebody, I'm with them. I'm not thinking about, you know, other things or being on my phone and being distracted by things. I just want to be present and be like really grateful and for the relationships that I have in my life and, you know, nurture and and take care of those. So I think that's for me is just being being present in my own life and paying attention to it, not just letting it pass me by. That's great. Well, thank you so much for joining yeah. us on the podcast. And we will link to everything in the show notes so people can find you on social media. They can find how to work with you. And where do you suggest people start if they are considering intuitive eating, if they want to learn a bit more about you? Where is their first stop? Right. If they want to learn about me, I mean, obviously going to my blog because then I have lots of my resources or how you can work with me. It's all yeah. kind of on there. And then if you just want to start with, I mean, and I do have like an intu- a series on intuitive eating as well, yeah. kind of going through the principles. But I mean, starting with the book, like I mentioned, it was yeah. the, that's the kind of the original, the, yeah. the very beginning of the starting point that I, I usually direct most people to yeah. go to. That's great. Thank you again for joining Mm -hmm. us. It's been such a pleasure. And my cat has been super happy on your lap. (laughs) Yes, he has.